Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We've been going through this idea that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. I cannot wait. I, I feel like I've saved the best for last. I've saved one of my favorite witnesses for last. And if it's not in your message notes, but this is, a, this is our text we've been going through every single week here. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded, could we say that surrounded? I'm surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. And the next verse says, here's how we do all of this. Fixing our eyes on who? On Jesus. Let's one more time. Fixing our eyes on who? On Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Looking at Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I, can, can we pray? I'm, I'm so excited to teach tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to share with you our giant. I'm going to take a few more minutes to introduce this message before I share it with you. But I really believe that this is going to be a weekend where God does something new in someone's life. You know, when we get on this race of life, it's easy to get weary and tired. The first time that I ever ran a 5K, I was so excited to, to run that 5K. And after about after the the when the crowd when you started it's so exciting you're surrounded by people there's there's you know there's noise and you know a starting gun going off it's like this crowd of people and it's so exciting but when you turn a couple corners it's like me and like a 85 year old lady running and i'm like well it's not as quite exciting as it used to be and and you know the race of life and faith many times can get monotonous in the middle of, of all of it. And I, I just pray that tonight God just does a fresh, fresh work in our hearts and in our lives. And let's just, let's pray. And I just want to ask God to do something mighty in us tonight. Lord, Lord, we, we just, we need you. Lord, I, I need you. We, we didn't come tonight to just go through the motions, God, but we want you to do a, a work in our hearts and in our lives, Lord, like never before. Lord, let there be something, Lord, that's fresh, Lord, let there be fresh oil. I pray for those who are weary on the journey, and it's just they're just one foot after the other, one step after the other. God, let them have fresh, fresh faith. Holy Spirit, would you come and do a work like only you can do here tonight? In Jesus' name, amen. My, I have uh, three kids now. I've, I got to get out of the habit of saying I have two kids. I have three kids. We have a newborn, a two-month-old at home, and then we have a six-year-old and a four-year-old. And I like to say it like this. We are never more than two seconds away from a dance party at any time at our house. At any time, we, we have this thing. And the reason is we have this thing. I brought it with me here tonight. It's called, I'm not going to say its name. It's called Alexa. There you go. <laughs> so this sits in our living room, and at all times, our kids are walking by, and they are, you know, they are forever saying this right here. And we, we, I've had to change its name a few times, and then they figure out what the new name is, and then they, it's, it's just, it's pointless. But, but, but here's, here's usually what happens at our house. This is the latest, and they say this, Alexa, play It's Raining Tacos. It's raining tacos by the very tiny king from Spotify. 
And that's what happens at our house, endlessly right there. The other night, I, was, I, was, I got up in the middle of the night, and I walked in the living room, and I'm like, what is that sound? And I turn it up, and it's, it's raining tacos. And, and uh, it just, so funny. At, at, at any time, I was, I was about to video, make a video this afternoon just because I knew I was going to be talking a little bit about this. And, and they were just singing, and they were just dancing, and they were just so excited uh, just, just, just because they're kids and because they find songs that they like, and they're just dancing, and, and they're pumped about it. And... And, and I, I just, I thought to myself, uh, at, at what point do we lose that? We had Summer XP here a few weeks ago, and these kids just had an absolute blast here in the house. I mean, they were just going nuts. They were having so much fun. And just no, 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 you know, just all, no inhibitions, no worries about what anybody else thinks about them. They, they, they just have this this, 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 this joy, this innocence inside of them that they're just so, so excited about it, and many times I think we can lose that that joy in our walk with God. We can lose that joy on the journey of faith, and and we just like we do as adults, we lose our dance and we lose our song along the way. Life has a way of just knocking it out of us on the journey of life. And uh, I, I recently heard a story about a lady named Tia, who. Not too many years ago, she was living in Florida and had just went through a divorce. Was going through a really hard time in her life, and uh, there, there in, in this season, she was went had went to the beach, and she was at the beach, uh, just feeling so down and feeling so small. And then a friend of hers from Colorado calls and says, "Hey, why don't you just come spend a little bit of time with me?" And while she's on this trip, at the worst, lowest, at the lowest season of her life, on this trip to Colorado, she she starts writing a song in the middle of this difficult season. And I heard the story of this song, and I asked my wife. This is something kind of out of the out of the ordinary for City Hills, but I, I asked my wife to sing this song. You may have heard it before, but I, I would love her to sing a little bit of this song about somebody in the middle of it all that needed some encouragement to just keep on going along the way. So here's the song that Tia Sellers wrote not too many years ago. Get the truth. 
I was going to just read the lyrics, but I thought that would be a lot better. But, but isn't that life? Isn't that life? Whenever we get, we get in the middle of this race and this journey, and maybe you're at a place where you just feel like you're going through the motions. You just feel like even in your walk with God, you feel like in faith, you're just kind of going through the motions. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe there's some just situations that you're just keeping, you're just walking through right now that you just feel like you you can put a smile on your face, but there's something kind of deep below the surface. And I think to us, there would be a man come out of the crowd, one of my favorites from the scripture, a man named David. I think David would come down to us and I think he would say to us, in, in when, when you feel like you're tempted to just go through the motions, I think here's what David would say to us. Never lose your sense of wonder. Never lose your sense of wonder of who God is. When you go through the lot, when you go through life, and when you go through ministry, and whenever you go through the ups and downs of, of faith and the journey of it all, I think David would say to us, if I looked over my life, I would say that in the middle of it all, I chose uh, to see the wonder of God greater than, than all of the things that was happening around me. You see, David's life was characterized by someone David's life was characterized by the wonder of God. When we first see David, we, he's not on a throne. He's not someone who, who's, who's a household name. As a matter of fact, he's forgotten by the very person that should never forget you, his own father. And everybody was overlooked by his dad and his brothers were put in front of him to possibly be the next king of Israel. But David was left alone in a field, but in that field he was putting his focus on the wonder of God. In that field he was worshiping God. In that field he was playing a harp unto God all by himself. And when God looked over the entire nation of Israel and said, I'm looking for a king, he found the one kid that, whose eyes were full of wonder. When everyone else had forgotten him, David was worshiping in the middle of the field all alone. And God says, that looks like a king to me. And he anointed David right there in the middle of his brothers. And then we see David go on to, to become the king of the land. And with all the leadership responsibilities and with all the financial blessings and with all the, the good, the bad, the ugly of his life, 
But one thing that we find that's consistent about the life of David is he never lost the wonder of God. So much of our Bibles are filled with songs that David wrote along the journey. To me, representing the fact that in the middle of the ups and the downs, he never lost this sense of the wonder of who God is. Of the innocence and the privilege that it is to get to follow God and to get to have a relationship with Him. I don't think he ever lost the sense of being in that field as a boy all by himself with just him and God. And I want tonight to just hopefully be a time where some of us that have kind of grown cold and are kind of going through some motions would go back to the place where God first met you. Would go back to the place where you just were in awe and wonder of God and what he wants to do in your life. David was a dancer and he had a heart for God. He had a heart for the things of God. 2 Samuel chapter 6, his, this is in your notes, his first act as king was to get the Ark of the Covenant back from the Philistines who had taken it away. Israel was living a, living a season of their life where they weren't serving God the way they should. They weren't paying attention to the things of God and their Ark of the Covenant, which represented God's power and God's presence. They didn't value God's presence in their life and the enemy actually took this ark away. It took the presence of God out of their lives. And they were just at this place where they were still doing all their religious rituals, but they didn't have the presence of God. Church, can I tell you, it's not enough to just go through the religious rituals of Christianity. We need the presence and power of God. We need the ark of God. And the enemy had it, the Philistines had it, and 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 Whenever they had the ark of God in their, in their town, there, everybody, in the, everybody in the whole city got hemorrhoids with no preparation H. And they realized something's up. And they sent it back. They said, you can take it back. And it dwelled in the house of a man named Obed-Edom. And I want to read what the scripture says about Obed-Edom. It says this in verse 11 of 2 Samuel 6, The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And watch this. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Just the presence of God in our lives, Obed-Edom was blessed. His whole house was blessed. But David wasn't content with just other people having God's presence. He wanted to have it for himself. It says, no, King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. And if I could just take a moment, the blessings of God in our life are because of his presence. The good things in, God, in our lives are because God's been faithful and God's been good. Not because we've been good, but because he's been so good to us. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom in the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. I want you to go to that place. He was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. This is the most influential, the most supposed to be the most dignified. He was the king. 
But here he is, just dancing before the Lord with all of his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and with the sound of trumpets. David was not a perfect man, but David never lost his sense of awe and wonder of how good God had been in his life. And so how do we, like David, not lose that sense of awe of God? How do we never lose that sense of innocence? See, when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, it was in a place of innocence. And then sin came into their world because of their choices and their innocence was gone. But because of what Jesus has done for us, because of the gospel, our innocence can be restored again and we can just worship God with no fear and have this place of innocence. Here's, here's some ideas of how to never lose our wonder of God. Here's the first one. Be careful with the applause. Be careful with the applause. <laughs> if you could help me out on the count of three, why don't you just, uh, why don't, why don't you uh, give some applause and just like, I don't know, like UT just won the national championship. I know, that may, that may be your impossible prayer you're preparing for, for 21 days of prayer. <laughs> but on the count of three, why don't we just, well, I just want you to give some applause. Here we go. One, two, three. Give the applause. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> you know, what if every time you did something good in life, that's what happened? Like you made a good meal, you know, and everyone's, woo! You know, you do a good job at work, you know, and just there's this, this, this you know, ah, this crowd all around you. You know, Proverbs 27, 21 gives an interesting uh, perspective on applause. applause. It says, the crucible's for silver and the furnace for gold, but people are tested by their praise. In other words, applause is a wonderful thing, but... If we don't handle it correctly, if we're not careful with it, it can steal our wonder of God. That when people give the applause, it's, it's a test. I remember the first time I felt like God used me in, in my life. I was a teenager. I'd started a Bible study in my school, and someone had challenged me to do it. And I, I honestly did not think I could do that. I didn't even know what that looked like or meant. And, and um, I, I remember the second week we had it literally seeing the room filled with friends from school and then getting up and I, I remember I did a message who is Jesus and why should you care <laughs> and we had a time of prayer and I saw friends hands go up all over the room to give their lives to Jesus and God started doing a work in my school and I man God started blessing that Bible study people started giving uh, financially and we started buying pizza and started, I mean, it just it started a, re a revival in my school. And I just remember, honestly, being at this place of, I cannot believe that God's using me. I never saw myself as a leader. I never saw myself as somebody that, that could do that. I was so nervous to stand up and do that. But God used me. And people applauded. And... There's a danger in that along the way because with a little bit of time, that's been years ago, because with a little bit of time, I can learn how to preach a little better. I can develop a craft, gotten a few degrees. I, I feel like I, I know what I'm doing a little bit more than I did as that 16-year-old scared-to-death kid surrounded by my peers. 
But the danger in the middle of it all is that I would get entitled along the way to think that, you know what, then it was God because I knew it wasn't me, but it's easy now to not only, it's easy now to need the applause along the way. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody. In, in, in our lives, in our, in our careers, in our faith, we, we kind of start saying, God, I can't do it without you. And then after, along the way, we kind of get it together and we think, okay, God, I, I kind of got, got it from here. And we can get to this place of entitlement. And, and along, along the way, when we feel, start feeling entitled to the applause and entitled to the praise, and man, nobody applauded me for that, and I know that was good, and I deserve more than what I, what I have, and I deserve more than what I'm getting, and we, we start developing an attitude before long, our, that, that desire for applause will actually cause us to, to, to push other people down. David saw this in the life of his predecessor, Saul, there... Uh, at, when, when David started doing great things, uh, Saul uh, didn't like the song that started being sung about David and Saul. It said this in 1 Samuel 18, 7, Saul has killed his thousands. This is what was on like the top 40 hits in Israel in these days. Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. This made Saul very angry. He said, what's this? They credit David with ten thousands and only me with thousands. Next, they'll be making him king. What happened? Saul got so addicted to the applause that he missed that God, that, that, that it was God that had done it and not him. Not in your notes, but the prophet Samuel went to Saul after this when he was rejected because of his desire for applause. And Samuel said to him, once you were small in your own eyes. And then God made you ruler in Israel. It's as if God was saying to Saul, you've become addicted to the applause and you have forgotten that you're not really, it's not because of who you are, it's because of who God is in your life. Church, don't lose your sense of wonder. Don't let your work for God replace your walk with God. Receive, here's just some ideas about the applause. Receive applause humbly. And give it, use it as an opportunity to give it back to God. It doesn't mean the answers don't give applause or don't, don't receive applause. Absolutely. Thank God that, that God uses us. But, but, but use that as an opportunity to say, man, it's the goodness of God that anything good in my life, anything good in my career, anything good, any talent, any ability, any calling, anything God does, stay humble and stay at a place where you say, I know without the power and without the grace of God, I could never be able to do this. Never forget that at, at most, we're only a small part of a great story. And the main character is not us, it's Jesus. And we get to be part of this. I love David's heart for this. David had such a heart just to be with God. He said in Psalm 27 verse 4, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord. Like, he just wanted to be in God's, he just wanted to sit there and just gaze at the beauty of the Lord. Just like the writer of Hebrews, he said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. If all you do is look in the mirror, you'll get jaded along the way. If all you do is look at other people and compare yourself to other people, you'll get jaded along the way. But church, if we keep our eyes on Jesus, if we keep our eyes above on the glory and the goodness of God, we'll never lose our wonder. We'll say, I just can't believe 
what God's done in my life. Here's another idea about applause, that we need to be the first to applaud others. There will always be a new kid in town. And if you're the new kid right now, you're getting all the applause. But before long, there'll be another new kid. And if I could encourage you, be the first to give the applause to that new kid. Because if you don't, one of you is going to have to leave and it'll probably be you. But if you'll, if you'll be the one to applaud, there will always be room for you. If you'll be the one that's, that's comfortable in the calling that God has on your life and you can, be, you can applaud and you can be thankful and you can bless other people, there'll always be room for you in that company. There'll always be room for us. Hey, as a church, there'll always be room in this city for us if we'll bless other churches and if we'll be thankful for what God's done and not tear others down, but we'll lift others up in Jesus' name. Don't lose your sense of wonder because the hunger for the applause. Because you think it's somehow along the way it's because of what you've done. David says, no, no, no. I'm never lost. <clears throat> it's what God's done in my life. Here's the second thing. Never to lose the wonder of God. Take time to worship. Take time to worship. David's first act of business, we read it earlier, was to get the Ark of the Covenant, which represented God's presence, back to the nation of Israel. That, that is his, his first job was to worship. And to spend time in the presence of God. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 16 tells a complete opposite response to this ark from what David had. It says this. It's not in your notes. I believe it is on the screen. It says, And the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, which was David's wife, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel distinguished himself today, going around half naked in view of the slave girls and of the servants as a vulgar fellow would. I guess it's like an old English, you know, put down. You are such a vulgar fellow. You are conducting yourself as a vulgar fellow. David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel, and I will celebrate before the Lord. And he goes on to say, I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes, but by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. <laughs> and Michael, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. You see, you had Michael, David's wife, who was raised her whole life in the palace. And you have David, who was raised in the field. And David sim simply said, I understand where the blessings in my life come from. I'm thankful for your dad. I'm thankful he appointed me and gave me opportunity. But I just want you to know, it's because of the God that I serve that I stand where I stand today. And you may not understand my worship, and that's okay. But it's not for you. My worship is is for God. And if you're going to, you, you can let other people and their view of your worship of God steal your wonder of God. As a teenager, when I, God started doing this work in my life and I started being all, in all the wonder of God, I used to sit in the back with all my friends. 
and used to watch everybody else at church, and we'd laugh, and we'd make fun of how people would dance and shout. I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and there's some funny stuff to watch at a Pentecostal church whenever you're growing up as a kid. But when God started getting a hold of my heart, I started feeling bad and convicted at making fun of other people. And, 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 I, felt, and I started sitting on the front row. And the reason I started sitting on the front row is because I stopped coming to church for everybody else. And I started coming to church to encounter God for myself. And I stopped looking at what everybody else around me thought about it. And I stopped looking before I lifted my hands. I used to glance at the crowd and see if anybody else was lifting their hands. But I want to be like David where he says, you know what? This isn't about you. I'm not trying to offend you. But I want to worship God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with everything that I am. I'm not going to be ashamed. And he says, I'll get more, even more undignified than what I am right now. But you don't know where God's brought me from. See, you have a woman who was raised in the palace who should have been thankful, but she was entitled. And because of her entitlement, she was left barren the rest of her life. And then you have a boy raised in a field, forgotten by his own father. But God elevated him to a place of prominence because of his worship of God. And he would say, don't lose your sense of wonder. Maybe you know, I'm just talking to somebody that you used to be more passionate for God at a previous season of your life, but now God's blessed you with some things and you have more finances and you have more influence and you have more things in your life. Please don't ever forget the promises you made to God years ago. Don't forget, forget you're still that same person that God touched whenever you used to pray in your prayer closet and nobody knew. David would say, it's easy. To let all of the trappings of life and ministry cause you to go through the motions. But never lose your sense of wonder. Never lose it. Here's some ideas about this. Number one, give God the first part of every day. Just make it a practice. Give God the first part of, of every day of your life. Just spend time with Him every single day. When you wake up in the morning, give God your first. Before you get on Facebook, before you get, go to the news, before you do anything else, give God your first. Here's another idea. Give God the first part of every week. So I commend you for coming to church this weekend. There, there are those of you that are coming from Sunday because you're making room for other people or you're busy on Sunday, so you prioritize to come here today. I honor you. Because we, we need this. Don't, don't ever let life push out your worship of God. Here's the third thing. Give God the first part of every paycheck. Every time you are paid, you have an opportunity to thank the one that gave it to you. Deuteronomy 14, 23 in the message, so good. It says this, make an offering of 10%, a tithe, that's what the word tithe means, a tenth, of all the produce which grows in your fields year after year. Bring this into the presence of God, your God, at the place which he designates for worship, and there eat the tithe with your grain and wine and oil and the firstborn from your herds and flocks. And here's the big idea. I thought this was profound. In this way, you will learn to live in deep reverence before God, your God, as long as you live. In other words, our deep reverence before God is directly connected to our worship. He said the tithe is not even for God. God owns it. Cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need anything. But, he, but every time we make the decision, when, when, when God blesses us, when we make the decision to say, God, I'm going to take the first 10% and just worship you with it, 
God says it does something in your own heart and it causes you to have wonder of who I am. It causes you to see your life as being provided for by the King of Kings. He would say, man, never lose your sense of wonder. Learn to worship God with just everything that you are. Here's the third thing I think he would say, forgive and live. Forgive and live. David's life was defined by people that hurt him. If I could dare say most of ours have been as well. He was forgotten by his own father. His brothers didn't think much of him. David's king that he loved and served tried to kill him. His son Absalom took the throne from him. You talk about someone who could have allowed bitterness to rack his heart and his life because of people that didn't understand him and people that overlooked him along the way. Church, don't let bitterness rob you of the blessing that God wants to do in and through your life. I think David would say, don't, don't, don't let anger or hurt. Maybe, maybe along the way, you're, just, you're hurting right now. You're holding on to some bitterness. You're holding on to, to, to some hurt from what people said to you, and it's just there. If David could run a lap with us, he'd say, just forgive them. Just let them go. I know it hurts, but you're only hurting yourself when you're holding on to bitterness and you're holding on to unforgiveness. Just because you have the right to be offended doesn't mean it's right to be offended, I think David would say. Let them go, forgive, and live. And here's number four before we go today. Learn to confess your sin. Learn to confess your sin. There's a time in David's life when he lost his dance. He committed adultery with the lady named Bathsheba, and he murdered Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. Not a shining moment in David's life by far. And at this time, he tried to hide, and he tried to go on about his life, and he tried to be important as the king and keep on going about business But on the inside, his secret was making him sick. But God's grace and the man of God named Nathan came and approached David. And through a message, much like this message right now, David's heart was pricked and he realized, man, I've been been far from God because of some decisions, some things I've been, some decisions I've been making. And at that place, David says it's me I'm not proud of myself I'm not proud of my sin but he says God it's it's me and he confesses his sin to God and we have many psalms about this in the scripture but one in particular Psalm 32 David says this after he's forgiven And he confesses his sin. He says, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Maybe that's somebody's word here tonight. The the race, you're just going through the motions because there's an area of your life you're not being honest with God. It says, and when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. 
He says, my strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. He says in verse 12, finally, I confess my, all my sins to you and stop trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. You forgave me and all my guilt was gone. Church, could I tell you God specializes in using our failures? He specializes in using our brokenness for His glory. If you'll take what you're doing that you know is not pleasing to God, if you'll submit it to Him today, if you'll confess your sin today, if you'll give your life to Jesus today, I promise He'll turn it around. This was a dark chapter in David's story, but in some ways it's the brightest chapter because it shows us that God can use even the murderer. God can use even the worst of us to do the best of things. God didn't erase His name from the Scripture. God used Him to write psalm after psalm because in the midst of His problems, in the midst of it all, He always kept His eye on the wonder of God. Or as we know today, on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Not on your failure, not on your faults, not on what other people have done to you, not on the applause of others and what they think. But let's, let's turn our attention, turn our gaze on Jesus here tonight. And let God just do a fresh work in our heart. That's what my prayer's been all week long. God, let create in me, as David said, a clean heart, O oh God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I'll teach transgressors your ways. And sinners shall be converted to you. And I think as we would run that final lap with David. I think he would just simply give us one more word of advice. He would say, never forget where God brought you from. Never forget. Never forget. Never lose the wonder of where God brought you from. And I think he would go back into the stands and say, keep on running. Don't go through the motions. But put your eyes on Jesus, on the glory of God, and never lose your wonder of Him. Let's pray here tonight. Lord, been so good to me. Lord, it's easy to let the mountains in the distance scare us. And it's easy to let the feel so small in the middle of life. And it's easy to just let circumstances just destroy our joy. To go through religious motion, just come to church, come to church, come to church. But God, I pray tonight in some special way, Holy Spirit, would you do a fresh work in us? Fresh oil, new wine. God, something brand new in the heart and the life of somebody in this place here tonight. Let it become real again. Lord, we go back to the place where you first found us. We go back to that place where we were just hungry for more of you, God. Lord, that's the man I want to be. I don't want to ever lose that sense of wonder. I want to be like David, God.
have a song on my lips in every season and to trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. If, to, if tonight you say, I'm meeting God right now. Like there's something special that God's doing in my life right now. I want to pray with you right here, right now on this Saturday night and just lead you in a fresh start, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of surrender to God. To let Him do, just invite Jesus to do a work in your life. Maybe you're seeing the glory of God like you've never seen Him before. I mean, this is an awesome night to just turn your burdens, turn your future, turn your life over to Jesus. If that's you, I just invite you to pray with me. And man, let's all just pray all over the house and say, Jesus, you're the only one that can save me. So would right now, would you save me? Give my life to you. I'm tired of living my own way. My guilt is weighing me down. I'm full of shame. I need your help. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my God. I want to follow you. Fill me with your spirit. I give my life to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, can we just give God a hand for what he's doing here?